Yes, indeed. Welcome in, everybody, the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast as we head towards the weekend. Believe it or not, we are now just 22 or 23 days away, depending on when you're hearing this show, from Selection Sunday. Three weeks from Sunday, we will know the field of 68, all things being equal with the NCAA Tournament 2021, scheduled to take place all in the state of Indiana, mostly in and around Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. We're going to have some updates on that coming in a few moments. I am merely your somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. We are here two times a week right now for college basketball coast to coast. We come your way with a Friday preview of the weekend. That's what's unfolding right now as you're hearing us. And then we also come back usually Tuesday to come off the weekend, come off the Monday action and get you ready for the midweek games. But we're going to be increasing the frequency of these shows, podcasts, events in and around uh, the NCAA tournament, particularly if you are hearing us on the TuneIn channel on Tag Sports Group. If you found us streaming on TuneIn, lock in this channel, Tag Sports Group, because there will be live versions of this show, college basketball, coast to coast. And there is the potential for live games in conference tournament play, conference tournament championship action. That is still all being worked out and determined, but this is the channel. Tag Sports Group through TuneIn if it's streaming. If you haven't found us already, find us via podcast on Apple Podcast as well under College Basketball Coast to Coast. Subscribe to the podcast. You'll get it, whether it's the midweek version out again on Tuesday, whether it's the Friday version. We're going to podcast all of the episodes Uh, As we go along here into the month of March and all the craziness and the mayhem, as there will be dozens and dozens and dozens of teams that will either play their way in or play their way out uh, in the big dance of the chase for the Final Four right there in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. And we're ready to tell all the stories and be all about it. Want to tell you up front on this edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast, one of my faves, Chris Stewart, who does an outstanding job on the play-by-play for the Alabama Crimson Tide, their basketball and the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Love Chris's insight on a lot of things but in specific, not just the SEC, but Alabama. I'm going right to him with the Tide right now, 12-1, and leading the Southeastern Conference, uh, staring right at being a number two seed. Dare we even say if they keep winning and keep rolling, they could maybe get in the conversation to be a one seed. This is not Alabama football. With Nick Saban and Devontae Smith and throughout the years with Derrick Henry and all the great uh, players they've had for Alabama football and the national titles, this is Alabama basketball with Nate Oates at the helm and John Petty and Herb Jones. And Chris will tell you more about them later on in the show. I also want to play a little SEC in or out with Chris on some of the other teams in and around the conference as we talk right now, third weekend in February. Are teams like Arkansas, LSU, Missouri, Florida, are they in? I'll get Chris's opinion on that when Chris Stewart joins us on the back half here of the show and of the podcast. Before we get there, before we get to that conversation, we do have uh, some different news information scores. Uh, Very interesting from Thursday night in the play um, in a couple of different conferences. Uh, Once again, the Michigan Wolverines look fantastic. I saw a lot of that game. Uh, with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights in Ann Arbor, Jawan Howard's team now improves to 15 and one uh, with a with a great performance against Rutgers. Rutgers kind of hung around in the game, but uh, again, the big fella Dickerson in the middle, Isaiah Livers, the veteran guard forward, 
Uh, there's a lot of pieces in place. Uh, Mo Wagner's brother uh, that is in there as well. Um, that's playing for Michigan. A lot of pieces in place for this Wolverine team to maybe go deep, and now they get ready to play, oh, by the way, Ohio State in a massive game on Sunday, nationally televised on CBS. Ohio State had to battle and claw and beat Penn State. They're arguably the two best teams right now in the Big Ten, uh, Michigan and Ohio State. Not for football again, like Alabama, but for basketball. So we look forward to that game. So Michigan got a win. Ohio State got a win. Uh, again, an upset by Wichita State against Houston. And I know there's a lot of conversation right now about whether the top teams in some of these mid-major leagues, and I, and I don't really consider the American Conference to be a mid-major, although the American is going to probably struggle to get more than two teams in the NCAA tournament. Usually most years, they have a third team, a fourth team, in this conference that was formed about seven or eight years ago when the Big East uh, schools took off and, and, and said, we're going to go on our own and play a basketball-only league, when the Villanovas and the Georgetowns and the Providences and the Seton Halls decided to do that, the American had to scramble, put their league together. Uh, it, it now is constituted with the likes of Houston and Memphis and Cincinnati and Tulsa and SMU and Wichita State joined the American Conference a couple of years ago. They got a huge win at home over Houston, a top 10 Houston program. And it only underscores that when we're talking about the top teams, like a Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference or a Utah State in the Mountain West or a Loyola of Chicago in the in the Missouri Valley, those teams I just mentioned all have NCAA tournament at-large resumes. But And there's a lot of talk that they may elect not to play in their conference tournament and not risk possible exposure to COVID-19 that could maybe jeopardize them being able to play in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. While on the one hand, I understand the risk factor, when you're talking about the opportunity for other teams to build their resume in a conference tournament by potentially beating you or upsetting you or getting the automatic bid, that's what conference tournament championship play is all about. And so I know Mark Few addressed this on Thursday night late after Gonzaga's latest regular season win. They're undefeated. They're number one in the country. They, along with Baylor and Michigan up at the top, are in the conversation for who is the best team in America right now. I get that. I get Mark Few saying that we've got to be concerned about if we're a number one seed for the NCAA tournament and we can't play in the opening round because of COVID-19, we've got to take every precaution. But at the same time, For the West Coast Conference, again, the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, the Mountain West Conference, uh, on and on. The Sun Belt Conference USA, if you've got a definitive best team, uh, it, it helps the other teams that they get the opportunity to beat you from a credibility standpoint, a resume standpoint, not just the automatic bid. Now, in CUSA, in the Sun Belt, more than likely the only team that's getting in out of those two conferences is the team that wins the tournament. I understand that. Uh, Gonzaga's point is we're already in. We're either a one or a two seed with all that they've done. But I know Mike DeCourcy, the Hall of Fame writer for the Sporting News, does a great job on the Big Ten Network. We're going to get Mike here on the show coming up. He wrote about this in the last 24 hours on SportingNews.com. Check out Mike's opinion piece and the people that he's interviewed, like Jimmy Dykes, the ESPN commentator, like Stephen Bardo, the former Illinois player, the Big Ten uh, commentator on, on TV. You're setting a bad precedent a Pandora's box, because once you allow a team to decide, hey, we're not going to play in the conference tournament, you can't stop others from saying we're not going to play in the conference tournament. And you're going to end up destroying the magic of that weekend because numerous 
numerous being tens, if not dozens of teams will start saying uh, in this 2021 pandemic year, I know it's unusual, we don't, we don't need to play in the conference tournament. We're more concerned with the NCAA tournament, and we're not as concerned with being a four seed or a five seed or a six seed. We'll, we just won't play. So at the conference level, the conferences, the commissioners, the athletic directors need to step in, and the NCAA selection committee needs to step in, chaired by Kentucky Athletic Director uh, Mitch Barnhart, and they need to make it clear, I believe. This is how you would solve it. Uh, Mike DeCourcy didn't go this far, but I want to talk to him about it uh, soon, on college, on, soon on college basketball coast-to-coast. Coast. Have that selection committee come out and say, look, okay, if Gonzaga doesn't want to play in the West Coast Conference tournament, then you no longer have an automatic bid for your tournament. West Coast Conference, guess what? We're declaring Gonzaga as your automatic qualifier. It is our choice. It is our tournament. It's a subjective process. We're allowing you into our tournament on automatic qualification. But if the best team in your conference says this tournament's not worth it, then we're going to pick them as the automatic qualifier. And your tournament is now your tournament. And maybe you do enough on your resume by winning some tournament games to get into our field, and maybe you don't. How quickly? You want to know how quickly? Bam, that quickly. It gets corrected if the NCAA selection committee, which can absolutely do this, it's a subjective process, it's their tournament, they can elect to do this. They can drop the hammer on this whole idea that everybody's going to decide not to play in their conference. And I hate the phrase opt-out right now. It's not opting out. You're, you're quitting on your conference tournament and saying it's more important for us to play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and that's great. That's well and good in these unique situations. I mean, a Houston could opt out of the American Conference Tournament. They have enough of a resume to be in right now. But the, by the same token, again, the NCAA Selection Committee could say to them, uh, hey, Houston is the automatic qualifier, AAC, Commissioner Mike Oresco, your athletic directors. So the rest of you aren't playing for an automatic bid anymore. You're just playing for your at-large resume and to hang a banner or, or hold the trophy up if you win the tournament. That would stop everybody opting out. Watch. Watch what would happen at the mid-major level and the other ones. They would come right back in because the pressure would be too great. And to Kelvin Sampson's credit, he's quoted in the DeCourcy article in, in SportingNews.com as saying, hey, we're going to play in the tournament. Houston's not saying what Gonzaga is hinting at. We may not play. Houston is saying the conference tournament is the end of our season and we are playing in it as the top seed. Good for them. Uh, some very interesting games coming this weekend. I mentioned Michigan and Ohio State. I am going to be watching. We'll talk with Chris Stewart about Alabama uh, being in action uh, coming up. We'll watch and see what happens with Alabama and Vanderbilt as they try to help uh, lock up the uh, SEC regular season championship. UConn-Villanova. Uh, UConn has now won an important couple of games uh, with Xavier and Providence. This is now a much more important game at Villanova early on Saturday. We'll have an eye on that one in the Big East. UConn right now looking for a resume builder. Villanova uh, came off of pause. They lost a game last weekend to Creighton. They haven't played all week. Let's see what that game looks like uh, at the Pavilion. Uh, a couple of other games. Interesting that it looks like at the time that we're putting this show and podcast out that Texas is going to be able to host West Virginia. Texas could not host Oklahoma midweek because of the awful storms and power outages from the snow and the cold in the state of Texas. But it looks like in Austin, West Virginia and Texas will play an important matchup in the Big 12 regular season race. That coming Saturday afternoon in Austin, we'll make sure and, and see that that game gets off. Also, Minnesota hosting Illinois, another one of the top teams uh, in the 
in, in the Big Ten. So we'll see what happens there. And then you've got the Pac-12. I watched a lot of that action Thursday night as UCLA won impressively over Arizona at home. Oregon got a nice win over Colorado. I thought Colorado might upset them. USC is the top team right now in the uh, in the Pac-12 regular season. So you got Pac-12 games going on. Big Ten. We're going to talk some SEC straight ahead. ACC has Virginia and Duke coming Saturday night. Interested in that game. Lots of different games that are going on. So we'll be watching all of those as we rock along uh, here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Now let's hone in on the SEC and the top team in that conference right now. As promised, I always love the insight from guys in the know. And certainly when you talk SEC basketball right now, not unlike the domination of the football side of things, Alabama ringing true uh, right now at the top of the SEC. And the voice of the Crimson Tide on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Love the insight of one Chris Stewart. Always good to have you. And you're hanging with me here on the College Basketball Coast to Coast show and podcast um all right my friend it seems like i'm always bothering you to talk alabama football but now we're talking alabama basketball and rightfully so first of all what a season uh to this point and to be leading the sec what are your thoughts overall as we bring you in here on to this point how well the tide have done cj i think if we can finish strong we're in the tournament i'm sorry (laughs) wait a minute that's the that's the speech i've given for most of the last 19 years my bad uh, it's, it's a nice spot to be. And I'll tell you again, in all seriousness, having been, having been in the conversation for the tournament almost every year for 19 now that I've done this for Alabama, some where they were a high seed, some more often than not, unfortunately in the last decade where it was first four out last four in, uh, it is nice to be in a spot where the conversation is, Hey, one seed or two seed. That's a, that's a lot better position to be in, I'll tell you that. We're joking around because I've been on with you as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers odyssey has gone on for oh, the yeah. past decade, and I didn't know what it was like to field interview requests in January for postseason yeah. football. And then suddenly I got a bunch of them because the Bucks had this guy you might have heard of for the whole of the audience, Tom Brady, and they kept yep. winning playoff games, and we didn't know how to act. So I can empathize with what you're yep. saying. Um, okay, so it leads to the logical follow-up. Why has this tied team, as December turned to January and January turned to February, been so consistently good and winning games? Put your finger on a thing or two, if you would. I'll start with the obvious. The guy that got a new contract this week, uh, put him in the top 25 among coaching pay and top five in the SEC, obviously talking about Nate Oates, well-deserving of a new contract and a great administrative move on the part of Greg Byrne to get get that done now before uh, some others come after him at the end of the season, which was most likely going to happen. Uh, That's where you start. You know, he's gotten him to buy into a system. He then went and recruited to the system during a pandemic and found pieces that were perfect for the puzzle. It's a deep roster. It's one that hasn't been healthy the entire season. Uh, That's the scary part should be for the opposition, that there's a chance they will get healthy collectively for the first time as the calendar turns to March. So that's that's one piece. They've been tremendous offensively. They've been record-setting offensively, 23 threes against LSU to, uh, to set a school record to set an SEC record, 115 points in a conference game recently against Georgia to set a school record. 
to uh, to set a conference record as well, uh, or within league games. So obviously the offense stands out, but where they've turned it around is on the defensive end. You know, their points per possession uh, is is one of the lowest in the country, and, and Nate is very much an analytics guy. He's an old high school math teacher, not an old, he's a young high school math teacher, uh, not far removed from that setting. Very much a believer in analytics, and the math has certainly worked to Alabama's favor, but they will, they will do a really good job on the defensive end. It just may not give that appearance because there's so many possessions within a game, there are more opportunities for the opposition to score. But as I said, that point per possession piece is, uh, is a real good indicator of where they are on that end of the floor. Where Alabama is is at the top of the SEC at 12-1. and one. And I don't think a lot of people, including me, realize they were that good defensively. We know they have six Quadrant One wins. And as Chris said, the Tide right now looking very much like a two-seed, probably, probably three-seed at the worst, depending on what happens here uh, at the end. Um, the the three-point shot has become such a weapon ac- across all of basketball but I want you to elaborate just for a second here for the audience. There is method behind the madness on volume of threes and guys positioning themselves in different spots on the floor. There yeah. is some orchestration to this, Chris. You've watched it in action. Tell the audience more about Alabama by design taking so many threes, why they do that, and why and where it's been so effective. It, it's pretty simple. Uh, Coach Oates wants – a three-point shot, he wants a layup or he wants a free throw. You know, a 15-foot a fifteen foot jumper is, uh, is a dirty word around the Bama basketball uh, <laughs> program. And, and, look, if you're wide open, that's one thing. But the truth is, if they're open at the elbow, the guy's looking to pivot pass to somebody else ordinarily. Uh, They've been incredibly successful at getting to the rim, and that's why they're so good. Yes, they can all shoot the three, but they can also all put it on the deck. Now, you know, you're not going to have Alex Reese running the point, but the half-court set could begin with him at the top, and you can't leave Alex Reese open because he's got a great stroke. Herb Jones is a Naismith Defensive Player of the Year finalist, but the reason that he's a finalist for Naismith National Player of the Year is he's developed a three-point shot where he is a weapon. He made three out of four, and until he got hurt, I think, midway through conference play, he was he was the top percentage three-point shooter on the team. Mm. So in uh, at 6'9", can put it on the deck, get to the rim, and finish dunking over people. So it, it is – I mean, I could run through – the roster. I'll give you another example. Josh Primo's a five-star out of Canada that doesn't have to be the go-to guy every night. And if you've got a freshman with that kind of talent, can blend him with seniors and veterans who can allow him, if it's it sounds crazy, but to hide. I, the other the other night was a prime example against Georgia. He finished with 19 points with 13 minutes to go in the second half. He didn't have any. And it's not like he got in on <laughs> scrub time. You know, he didn't come in in scrub time. He took it to scrub time by going off for 19 points in about a seven-minute stretch. 
Wow. That's after that's after the other guys have done the damage they've done. I could run through the roster. I'm not going to bore you with that. But you go up and down the roster, and I go, who are you going to leave open? Who are right. you going to double? Who are you going to double because it's going to leave this guy open? And they are they're unbelievable on that end of the floor. But again, with what they're doing defensively, that's what's got them. That's got them in a spot where they're going. They they can be elite as far as Alabama is concerned, historic as far as Alabama is concerned. And while there is a real belief that if this team can indeed stay fortunate with injuries, finally get the right draw at the right time, not have the off night at the wrong time, they can win the entire NCAA basketball tournament. Interesting. And, and Herb Jones, a fascinating guy, our colleague Mark Wise was saying this, and I would love to know the answer. I don't, know, I don't think we have the answer. How many guys – that are six nine can go trigger the offense at the point and then yeah. get at the other end of the floor, they're guarding a five. They're guarding a yeah. low post he four can. or five, and this guy can. So you've got to have the parts, not just the philosophy, but you've got to have the parts uh, as well uh, on this. Again, Chris Stewart with me for a few more moments here, closing out college basketball coast-to-coast. Coast. Yes, we're talking a lot about Alabama, but rightfully so. They lead the SEC. They play Vanderbilt on the weekend. And, Chris, you were saying to me, as the math works out in the conference race, they could potentially lock up the number one seed before the next game, which is a rematch with Arkansas. Certainly a win over Vanderbilt and a win over Arkansas would lock up the number one seed, the regular season title and for the tournament. Correct. Correct. It's uh, it's a magic number of two uh, right now. And I was really hopeful selfishly. They'd play Wednesday in college station, win that one and then come to Tuscaloosa with a chance to clinch no worse than a tie for the uh, the league, regardless of what happened down the stretch, if they could beat Vanderbilt. But now it's a case where you you hopefully beat Vandy and then you sit and grab the popcorn and watch and see what happens with Arkansas and LSU's games. But uh, they've got a chance to, to wrap it up before they get to Fayetteville. Uh, and if they don't, then, then they could win it there at Bud Walton Arena, win it outright when they take on the Hogs uh, next week. And then there's two more games scheduled after that at Mississippi State and Auburn. Any word as we right. talk to you heading to the weekend of whether that A&M game may try to be made up? We just don't know at this point. Yeah, I would be a little surprised, and I'll tell you why. I, I think Alabama will have the league wrapped up by the time we get to that, that being an issue. And A&M has so many games to make up. TJ, they have not played since the SEC Big 12 Challenge right. against Kansas State. So that was mid-January? Correct. Three weeks right? ago. Three weeks ago, correct. Yeah. So because they've had they've COVID-19 got, issues, and Texas right. has had just the horrific situation with uh, the ice, the snow, the inability to travel to and from, the lack of power, all of that. It has basically shut the state down this week. So it's both. It's yeah. both for a and it's a, it's a mess, and it's a shame. They were using – you know, we were supposed to play on Wednesday, and they were using that that arena, Reed Arena, as a warming station, scheduled to use it up till 2 o'clock with a 6 o'clock tip, uh, I think, on Wednesday. And obviously they had – there was a greater need for that building. No doubt. Than, than to play basketball, but it was uh, – it was also the issue of getting in there safely and then trying to get back out again, so – yeah, it, it's tough, frustrating for uh, A&M. Frankly, it probably came at a good time for Alabama. 
they to be that? able to rest and not have the the very quick turnaround of Thursday on the road and the noon tip at home against Vanderbilt probably works to Bama's advantage. You know, on this Alabama team participated in that SEC Big 12 Challenge. I know you're not traveling as it stands right now doing road games. Yeah. You're doing those off TV, so you were not there at the Lloyd Noble Center for the game with Oklahoma. But give me a thought. You worked the game. Oklahoma won the game. What is your thought on the Sooners, even though it's another conference because you saw them recently in action with Alabama? They played well. They played with the momentum. They were without two of their top players because of COVID tracing. So they uh, they were they kind of, that announcement was made the morning of the game, which was a very early afternoon start, maybe even eleven a.m. start actually. Now that I think about it, so wasn't a whole lot of time to prepare for what Oklahoma would look like without their top offensive weapon, and, and the Sooners rallied and and did a really good job and beat Bama that day. But um, they are. Uh, they're very good, very solid. Lon Kruger's as good as it gets. They'll probably – they will be in the conversation for a Sweet 16 team, I think, by the time we get to that point. And, again, they've been on pause because of the bad weather and not been able to play Texas this week, et cetera. So the Big 12 schedule is all jumbled uh, because of that as well. So we'll see what happens with Oklahoma. couple of minutes left. Let's have some fun. We'll do it right now. Here we go. Who's in, in or out, out for the big dance in March? Indeed, we are going to play a little SEC in or out. We mentioned that Arkansas team. They got a they got a nice win over Florida midweek. You saw them earlier in the year as Alabama defeated them. Arkansas 24 in the net ranking. Three quadrant one wins. You believe the Hogs are in right now? I mean, again, for right yeah. now, with about three weeks to go, you believe they're in? Yeah, I do. Uh, now, again, nobody wants to have a, you know, risk it with a total collapse, but I think who they are right, right now with that resume, they are very worthy of being an NCAA tournament team and a good seed at that. They're a very dangerous squad. The question is, can they stay interested on defense if they're not getting things done on offense? All right, a Missouri team that you saw a couple of weekends ago that actually did defeat uh, Alabama has now lost three games since. They're 44 in the net ranking. They do have six Quadrant One wins. So even though the 44 is by the name right now for the net ranking, I I believe Missouri is in. Yes, on in or out right now? Seen them at their best and their worst within a single ball game. They led Alabama by 22 with 13 minutes to go. They led by 20 with six minutes to go, and yet Bama had three looks in the last minute to win yep. and, and couldn't get it done. Um, they are really good, but they cannot sustain it. I think they get in. Uh, it's another one of those that I won't be surprised if they are playing for a chance to go to the Sweet 16. Also won't be stunned if they are a quick out if they get a, a team that offensively shoots it well. Now, LSU is another team that you've now seen twice. They're 28 in the net. They've got three quadrant one wins. I still think they have work to do. Quickly, LSU in or out as we talk going into this February weekend? LSU definitely in, in my opinion, but also LSU will be out quick if they don't defend people. How about that? All right, SEC might get five or six teams in. All right, so Vanderbilt on the weekend, uh, marching towards the SEC tournament coming uh, in Nashville. And like you said, an air of confidence. And say one more thing about Nate Oates, because you've been around him, coaches, shows, et cetera, uh, and what it's been like to be around him and what he has meant to the program, contract extension now in hand. 
fantastic coach, better person. Uh, and I mean that sincerely before I really knew him well at all and got a chance to work with him on a single ball game. As you know, I was in the hospital a year and a half ago, a little less than that, actually, a lot less than a year and a half ago now that I think about it. Uh, he shows up at my, at my hospital, spends an hour with me, with Herb Jones and, and Kyra Lewis, who's now playing with the Pelicans in the NBA. Uh, he didn't have to do that. He came into town early for SEC basketball media days just to visit me and spend time with me and check on me. He's been tremendous. Love working with him on his TV show and in the ball games. And I hate the fact that it, we got COVID uh, for a ton of reasons, but selfishly we're not able to be around the team as much and around the coaching staff as much. And you can imagine how much fun it would be right now. But uh, yeah, I think that he is. He, this is not a one-hit wonder for him. The, the recruiting base is now built. The roster is built. The belief is built. And the contract is now there as well to uh, hopefully have Nate Oates as the basketball coach at Alabama for a long, long time. A lot of things are looking up for sure. I love getting to chat with Chris Stewart. We got to run here. Uh, promise me we get to do this again somewhere around March because the Anytime. times are going to be very relevant when that comes around. Chris, thank you. I appreciate it, brother. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. There's a voice of the Crimson Tide on a radio. Chris Stewart on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. They play Vanderbilt Saturday, Arkansas midweek next week. That'll do it for this edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Again, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. The show is streaming on TuneIn. Again, on the TuneIn channel, Tag Sports Group. Go under sports. Look for Tag Sports Group. And again, find us right there streaming all through the weekend for all the games and all the actions uh, that's taking place. For now, we are done. Thanks for being with us on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Bye. Bye.